All right, welcome back to Rockford Reading Daily, episode 36, I believe. We are reading Citizens, Cops, and Power, Recognizing the Limits of Community by Steve Herbert. We are on the bottom of page 25. Thick version 2, Community as Discovered. The normative impulse toward small-scale democracy heralds an active and engaged citizenry that understands and solves collective problems. Implicit here is a citizen whose self-actualization depends in part on self-determination, on the capacity to exercise influence over governance. Importantly, these exercises in political influence typically occur in the context of some sort of group. Thus, the pursuit of self-determination inevitably becomes a communal enterprise. If the vision of community as recovered argues that values importantly predate our individuation in the, alter- in the alternate thick vision, community is developed through political enterprises. Community is thus a process, not a thing. Barbara puts it succinctly, quote, far from positing community a priori, strong democratic theory understands the creation of community as one of the chief tasks of political activity in the participatory mode end quote such participation such participation works best barbara and others argue when members approach one another in a spirit of openness and respect and thereby enable alternate perspectives to be aired and constructively debated democratic action means opening oneself up to others and thus enlarging one's perspective Politics consists of compromise, negotiation, respectful consideration of alternatives. Quote, the idea, end quote, Fraser writes, quote, is that through deliberation, the members of the public can come to discover or create a common good. In the process of their deliberations, participants are transformed from a collection of self-seeking private individuals into a public-spirited collectivity capable of acting together in common interest, end quote. Further, members ideally remain indefinitely open. The goal, according to James Bowman, is less reaching some ideal end state than constructing a conversation that is able to continue. However, any debate, no matter how long-standing or open-ended, requires some sort of structure. As a consequence, writers in this tradition often emphasize presumably abstract and neutral procedures that should work to organize the political process. Thus, Habermas stresses the importance of the, quote, institutionalization of procedures and conditions of communication, end quote. He further notes the need for the objective evaluation of alternate political schemas in, a, in terms of more universal, universal, universalizable, universalizable goals, such as equality and justice. I'm going to repeat that sentence one more time. He further notes the need for the objective evaluation of alternative political schemas in terms of more universalizable goals, such as equality and justice. That said, any set of procedures or any set of larger goals are themselves legitimate to a significant extent because they resonate with the less formal value structures that undergirds the group. In this fashion, as even Barber recognizes, a vision of community as recovered is implicit in a more overtly democratic vision of community as discovered. Still, these visions are distinguishable by their comparative emphases on recovery and discovery, 
on the extent to which they advocate that our energies be directed toward reinforcing existing values or toward creating ever more inclusive and effective political groups. But this latter vision of community as discovered is no more lacking for critics than is the version of community as recovered. One issue is whether this model rests upon an accurate anthropology. Are people that motivated to be political? Does our self-actualization demand self-determination in the political arena? Can such communitarians, as Stephen Garbaum asks, defend, quote, the substantive moral claim that the best life for human beings requires us to live in and as political communities, end quote? One might also question whether politics breeds tolerance. Perhaps politics works more to entrench pre-existing positions. One enters the political arena with a particular parochial concern and defends it against all opposition. This is why Fiorina worries that the more shrill voices disproportionately reverberate in political discourse. In such an impassioned and embattled political theater, the development of capacious, constructive engagement seems unlikely. Associational groups may well operate according to rules that violate norms of equality and respect. Empathetic and open-ended political discussion might require more of us than we are able to provide, and it may be more rare than we like to believe. Resistance to a community of discovery might thus rest in part upon a cultural predis predisposition to individualism, a fact of social life that advocates of a thin version of community take for granted. Okay, that was the end of, well, not the, that's the end of that passage within chapter one. And so in this passage, we went through and dissected the differences between uh, or some of the specificities of community as discovered and the differences that it has with community as uh, recovered. I think. Hmm. Takeaways, takeaways. It's a lot. It's a lot in both of those uh, those concepts of community, community as discovered and recovered. Uh Man. Okay, I think the first place that I want to start at is uh, Okay, this sentence right here. Still, these visions are distinguishable by their comparative emphases on recovery and discovery, on the extent to which they advocate that our energies be directed toward reinforcing existing values or toward creating ever more inclusive and effective political groups. Uh, and I think that that gets right at the heart of the differences between these two. The recovered community uh, in a sense of recovering is reaching back for values that already have existed at one point in time that may have been lost. And community as discovered is less about trying to find uh, values or trying to make values that were once at the forefront of the society that are now in the back of the society return to the forefront of the society and is more about uh, and is more about building build, I don't want to say building new values but uh, but building apparatuses to new value to to creating new values or building uh yeah i don't know it's a lot that's it's a lot i'm trying to 
articulate sort of some of my thoughts about it, about the differences between uh, both types of community. And right now it's just too much for me to, I ain't going to start. It's too much for me to try to process or to put into words. So let's keep on reading the next uh, type of community and I'm just going to, you know, keep processing as I'm reading. Okay. The thin version of community. According to critics, Thick versions of community overstate our preferences for a deep connection to others or for a collaborative political project. Perhaps community cannot be trusted because it suppresses minorities and individuals. Perhaps it cannot sustain the degree of political activity that some people desire. Many, therefore, prefer to see communities more in thin terms as collections of individuals who sometimes come together, sometimes not. Emphasis here lies on the individual and on his or her capacity and desire to choose the social groups with which he or she will affiliate. Communities thus have less claim on the moral and political grounding of individuals. Indeed, the extent to which communities form is a contingent outcome of individual choices to gather collectively for whatever purpose. Individuals can move from community to community that can be more or less captured socially or politically by communities. This is a vision of a, quote, limited liability, end quote, community in Janowitz's terms, where the range of individual connection and commitment to community is not preordained by some ostentative, deep normative process, but varies from person to person, from place to place, from time to time. Such a thin version is defended by advocates of liberalism because it preserves the individual capacity to choose amongst goods. If community harmony and value reinforcement is the principal aim of social con oh, one second. If communal if community harmony and value reinforcement is the principal aim Damn turning these pages be a motherfucking motherfucker. If community harmony and value reinforcement is the principal aim of social and political life then citizens can be construed as means to ends rather than as ends in themselves. As I noted previously, this concern is particularly heightened for those who lie outside the dominant vision of community, whose values somehow do not conform with the status quo. To assert the dominance of community in the face of such pluralism might require minorities to sacrifice their capacity to live in accordance with their preferred values. Better, therefore, to emphasize the individual's ability to choose the social groups from which to connect to pursue the goods the individual finds most meaningful. If community can be cloying and conformity-inducing, then we must buttress the individual's capacity to break free of social bonds that are unjustifiably limiting. None of this means, of course, that social collectives will not emerge to engage in political action. Rather, those collectives will be looser and more temporary than thick visions of community anticipate. Such collectives mesh well with the thrust of pluralist politics, which envisions a political arena of contending parties. To the extent that individuals affiliate with a range of different groups and dispersed and overlapping networks, this works well to reduce political contentiousness. To quote John Ehrenberg, relying on the seminal work of Truman and of Allman and Verba, quote, Multiple memberships and overlapping loyalties drive toward compromise and integration, and a moderate liberal democracy is best able to satisfy the broad range of interests generated in civil society without large-scale political disruption, end quote. Such a democracy, John Rawls asserts, should structure politics in the most general way possible and should avoid endorsing a particular moral schema. This, he hopes, will yield procedures that are widely acceptable and commodious 
and that rely upon publicly defensible reasons for their perpetuation. In other words, thinking of community in thin terms might be the best way to ensure an open-ended, polo-vehicle, and inclusive political process. For advocates of liberalism and pluralism, then, community is not inconsequential, but its power must necessarily be limited. We must ensure an individual's opportunity to embrace alternatives and to engage and disengage with various collectives as priorities and allegiances shift. Such a robust sense of individualism is further entrenched in American culture in a range of ways, including the importance of the individual as a consumer in capitalist society. Indeed, communitarians often bemoan the hegemony of individualism because it diminishes meaningful community connections. But skepticism of the excess of community and the dominance of images of individuals as property owners and marketized consumers in capitalist society ensures that a thin version of community will necessarily compete for legitimacy with thicker versions. Normative theorists then construct competing arguments about whether and how community should form, about the strength of the connections that can and should exist between members of social groups, about the way a politics built around community should unfold. One way to pursue this debate is to try and determine the grounds upon, one, upon which one can legitimate one of these visions as superior to another. I push in a different direction and ask instead whether any of these visions resonate with residents in urban neighborhoods. Indeed, a common critique of normative theorists of community is that they pay little attention to the actual meanings of community. To assess the potential of community means to overcome this problem. What do people say when you ask them about their visions of urban community? To ask this question is to inquire whether a project like community policing can possess any traction. Because justifications for community policing typically rely, implicitly or explicitly, on thick visions of communal life, it is necessary to ascertain whether those visions possess any significance for the citizenry. If urban residents do not share the assumptions that underlie community policing, then the project may well not succeed. Residents may possess a different sensibility about the weight-bearing capacity of community. Uh, okay, and then that brings us to the end of that passage, which was sort of dissecting the different, the different uh, forms of community. Uh, okay, let's, let's try to... Let me try to unpack everything that we just... The, both the things... All three of the things that we just read through. Okay, so... Steve Herbert is presenting us with uh, thick community and thin community. Within thick community are two separate concepts of community. One of those is a uh, one of those is a uh, restore restorative restoring. Hold on, let me see. Make sure I get this right. Let's get this right. Uh, okay, one is recovered, excuse me. One is recovered and one is discovered. So within thick community, we have recovered community and we have discovered community. And then thin community is not broken up into two different categories, but it's just broken up, it's just one, thin community. Uh, the restorative thick community, which Steve Harbert is speaking to us about, is about... Uh, whether it be a neighborhood or a locale or people who have uh, who share specific common 
interest, not even just specific common interest. I think interest is the wrong word for restorative community or for for the thick community. Uh, more than just common interest, you know, uh, black people uh, or the black community in Rockford shares more than just a common interest. Uh, because of them being black, there are certain things that each of them or that the majority of them are going to have to cope with. Uh, women, because of women are it's more than women have more than just a mutual interest because of them being women they have specific things that as women that they will have to deal with and cope with an argument can even be made that you can have multiple black people who have completely separate different uh points of interest uh but them being black if they are forming community based off the concept of them being black or them being women or uh them being on uh, poor, them being a working class, or them being on the west side of Rockford, uh, or on the east side of Rockford, south side of Rockford, these specific things that, uh, and again, this is sort of my interpretation of some of the things that they're saying, uh, these specific things that can overpower interest at time, or that, you know, can just be separate from interest at times, uh, those constitute uh, the thick communities, whereas the interest groups or things that are in interest for a momentary moments of time, uh, speak, uh, people who are, uh, interest groups, uh, people who are against police terrorism, people who are against mass incarceration, people who are against, uh, uh, who are people who are for, uh, cli against climate change and who are uh, struggling against climate change. All of these people may fall into a different, sets of what we may determine to be thick community so you may have people from the black community that fall into that interest group of climate control as well as women as well as what people from the west side of rockford as well as people from the east side of rockford and instead of focusing on the issues that are being presented to them from uh let's say these class systems or these caste systems that they are uh connected to being black and white or east side west side of rockford they are forming connections over what their interests are and what and those are thin thin forms of community uh now within the thick forms of community they're recovering and discovering recovering in thick communities is reaching towards something from uh the past reaching towards uh maybe traditional family values or uh traditional christian values or uh and, you know, and I think both of those things may be, you know, uh, argumentative because of what the, the connotations that those things have. Uh, but that's also part of what they call uh, the differences between discovering and recovering community. Uh, in recovering community, you are harping on things of the past and you are looking towards those value systems of the past to sort of guide and shape the, the new value system that you're putting together, the new mind state, the new uh, ideology that you are trying to have the community uh, have as a whole, as opposed to discovering, uh, discovering community, which part of that form of community comes within the discovering new values, the discovering new ideology, forming new values, forming new ideology. Uh, now, part of that forming uh, may also be hinged upon starting with the basis of old values uh, or traditional values, but being in a position in which you understand that the faults of those traditional values uh, 
cannot be duplicated as you are trying to create new value systems. And so the process of trying to create these new value systems, trying to create these new ideologies, these new belief patterns, trying to organize people and mobilize people for is the community forming. That is the, the, uh, the, the value system taking place there. That emphasis that is being put on uh governing one's own life that emphasis that is put it being put on taking control of issues that affect one's life and so uh a form of discovering excuse me a form of recovering community for black people may be uh looking back to uh values that trace back to uh the civil rights era and looking back to values that trace back to uh the the black church and looking at values that trace back to uh older uh different times in black communities and black organizing and and things of that nature uh and as you look back on those values and what those values uh where those values derive from you try to bring back uh you try to bring back the type of culture that allow for those values to be at the uh, the forefront of the community. Uh, now, what would be different about the discovering of community in this, if we use the same black community and use the same uh, example and we try to extrapolate it out some is uh, people would, instead of just hearkening back to the civil rights movement and hearkening back to black churches and hearkening back to values of the past, people would uh, come together and analyze those values of the past, analyze those uh, traditions of the past, but not wholly try to bring them uh, into the present, uh, analyze them and find what the faults were in them and what the, uh, the pros were for them or what the good things about them were. Uh, also, in this process, understanding that there is a uh, we live in a different society and a different uh, culture than we lived in then. And so understanding that we live in this different society and this different culture uh, understands that we can't just wholesale take those things from the past and put them in the present. Uh, and so one of the other things that Steve Herbert talks about uh, is the. The difficulties between recover community and discover community or the disconnects between recover community and discover community. And he speaks about the dangers of trying to uh, form community with the concept of recovering community is that you can get into a place where. Uh, if you have 70 year old, 80 year old, 60 year old black people who are part of this concept of recovering community that come in, they may want to uh, rely too much on some of these old values that maybe are, are timed out, that maybe do not resonate the same way anymore. Uh, and then another one of those, uh, another one of the impediments may be uh, because you are worrying about recovering values that you, that people, that the younger generation may give, uh, give way to the older generation being at the forefront of what happens and uh, not struggling against uh, uh, not struggling against the implementation of those traditional values because of the fact that uh, you know 
you're respecting your elders or the concept of respecting elders. And so that's one of the dangers, he says, can exist in recovering values that wouldn't necessarily exist in discovering values or in recovering community that wouldn't necessarily exist in discovering community. Because in the process of discovering community, it would be understood that just because something uh, existed 60 years ago or 70 years ago or 80 years ago or just because you can trace back uh positive things from the 60s or the 50s or the 40s uh you're not here to uh to duplicate things that happened in the 60s or the 50s or the 40s you're here to uh to analyze those things in the process of creating something new uh one of the things that steve herbert talks about being a danger uh primarily to in uh being a danger or being an impediment as well or a disconnect as well in the concepts of discovering and recovering communities is uh, people who are who have a louder voice or people who are more demonstrative about their uh, their beliefs, people who are more uh, who are maybe can are can articulate their beliefs more ending up being at the forefront of the community and their whatever their tradition or whatever their value system is ended up being the dominant one, not necessarily because it's the right one or the proper one, but just because uh, somebody is more passionate about uh, uh, their ideologies or their concepts. Uh, and then another and, and another one of the things that he pointed out as well as an impediment or a possible impediment or disconnect in of recovering and discovering communities or in, in thick communities is the dangers of duplicating negative aspects of society or negative value systems that exist uh, in society because of the fact that a lot of times community uh, can be constituted of what the majority believes is right. Uh, what the majority believes is, you know, is, is good, you know, or is, is, is the right thing to do. Uh, it was a time where, if you, again, let's use black communities for an example. It was a time where in black communities, uh, they may have felt as if the right thing to do or the majority of people may feel like the right thing to do was to throw people who sold drugs or were addicted to drugs in jail or smoked weed uh, in jail. Now, that might not have necessarily actually been the right thing to do and the right way to handle things. But if the concept of community is contingent upon uh, the whatever the masses believe is correct, being uh, the being the methodology that you take, then you can get into a, a position of just duplicating the same type of marginalization that exists outside the community. And so uh if the majority of people aren't educated and informed about how it could be dangerous to be trying to imprison people for having addiction issues or dangerous for trying to imprison people for not having uh, adequate opportunities to employment. And that's why they are selling drugs. If you if if those people are in the minority, then you don't get to a place where the community is necessarily uh combating the marginalization that's happening outside of the community you simply get into a place where the community is uh duplicating or mimicking the same type of marginalization just now within a marginalized group uh and these both and all of those things or those specific things are something that he uh steve points to as not being as uh prevalent in thin community in the concept of thin community because of the fact that uh people are forming groups based off of common interest. And so those people who were marginalized in the black community 
when they were trying to find alternative ways of dealing with addiction and dealing with drug selling, instead of opting to be part of the community that is the black community, they find other people who understand uh, that there must be new ways to combat addiction issues, new ways to combat people selling drugs as opposed to prison. And they form uh, groups with those people. And those people may be white and those people may be Middle Eastern and those people uh, uh, may be some of them may be poor. Some of them may be rich uh, because the issue is something that or that kind, that interest group is something that uh, that I don't want to say surpasses, but it's something that uh, goes beyond uh, just uh, race or ethnicity or neighborhood or locale that you live in. Uh, I think towards the end there, I sort of I sort of was able to articulate some of these things better, put some of these things in my own words. Uh, again, this is the this is the first time I'm reading this book. This is the first time I'm really reading anything that's taken this type of time to delve into the concept of community. So uh, forgive me as I also struggle with some of these concepts and some of these notions. Forgive me as I struggle with some of these words in here as well, too, and some of these sentences. Uh, but again, for me, this is sometimes I feel like I may be this may be a selfish. These podcasts, the Rockford Daily podcast may be more selfish than selfless because of how much I learn through reading these, how often how doing recording these podcasts regularly keeps me engaged and keeps me uh, active and keeps me taking in new information and gaining new knowledge. Uh, and also the experience of of articulating something or taking something in somebody else's words and being able to put it into my own words or taking something that somebody else poses and being able to uh, to incorporate that into my own ideology or philosophy uh, is something that I is priceless. And so I appreciate people bearing with me through these podcast episodes as I do that. And uh, we're going to let me see what time we are. I know we got to be at 30 minutes. I know somebody, I know people be yelling at me at the time. Yeah, we right at 30 minutes. So let's end this episode. Uh, my fault, that was a little loud. Let's end this episode here. I think we got about five, six pages left in this first chapter. These chapters are a little bit bigger than the chapters in, we got 10 pages left in this first chapter. These, cha- these, these chapters are a little bit bigger than the Cornell West Race Matters chapters are. So it may take us a little longer to get through this book than it did the previous two books. And also, this the things the some of the things being presented I am less familiar with than I am with race and uh, police terrorism, but uh, and mass incarceration, racial injustice. Even though, again, this fits into the concept of police terrorism, mass incarceration, and racial injustice. It's just a different aspect of it. So, learning a lot about community. Uh, so I want to say. Share this on whatever platform that you're listening to it on. Stay on the lookout for new episodes of Rafa Reading Daily. Every single day is the plan is to not have any days in any in the near future where there are not episodes of Rafa Reading Daily coming out. Please, if you haven't went, haven't listened to the readings of Have Black Lives Ever Mattered by Mamiya Abu-Jamal, please go back and listen to that. If you haven't listened to the readings of Race Matters, by Cornell West. Please go back and listen to that. And if you haven't listened to the previous episodes where we were reading Citizens, Cops, and Power by Steve Herbert, please go back and listen to that. Be on the lookout for new episodes in the future. And we outside. I'm going to end it.